disturbance or it causes a problem. And we have definitely felt disruption in this past year in a very negative way. Of course, we have COVID-19, and there's been many negative side effects. But the question today, this morning, I, I don't want to kind of stay on that negative side. The question is, can God use it? That's the question I want us to consider this morning. Can God use it? Can there be victory over so much collateral damage in our nation, in our world, as COVID has taken over? And this is a tough question. But if you search the scriptures, you will see that God often used disruption for his purposes. This would be nothing new to scripture. This would not be out of character for God, the use of disruption for his purposes. And all throughout scripture, we see God doing just that. We see him disrupting the lives of those he was going to use for his purposes. He used disruption in the life of a man named Abraham. You see, his life was disrupted when God called him to go to a new land without knowing where he was going. And we know that that disruption caused him to be the father of many nations. We see in Joseph, we see that his life was disrupted when he was sold into slavery and found himself in Egypt. But God used that disruption to make him second in command of all of Egypt and saved his family and also saved many other lives because of what he did as second in command. We think of the story of Ruth and Naomi. They lost everything. They lost their husbands. Naomi lost her sons and her husband. They died, and they had nothing. And Ruth left her people to go home with Naomi, even though they weren't her people. Ruth then, God used this disruption for Ruth to find a family redeemer named Boaz. Her and Boaz had many children. And this became the, the family line of a man named King David. And also became the family line of a person we know as the Messiah. So God used disruption to bring about the family line of King David, the Messiah. And also in the, the lives of the disciples, we see that as Jesus walked along the shore, one of the things he told the disciples, he said, follow me. And they dropped everything, their businesses and everything that they were doing, and they followed him. And he disrupted their lives in that sense. And then it became even more of a great disruption. When Jesus Christ, the man that they gave up everything to follow, died. And now they're left with nothing. After all they had given up, at least seemingly at that time. But did they give up? Well, the word of God says that they were praying. And they were praying in an upper room. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And at that moment, they began to spread the word of God. The gospel continued to be preached to every nation. What's the common thread in each one of these stories? And there are many more. Their disruption had the potential to completely wreck their lives. I want to say that again. Their disruption had the potential to destroy their lives. But what do we see in each of these cases? We see that God used their disruptions to bring, bring them to ultimate victory. If you're going to go through the Bible, and if you go through the Bible, every person that was used by God in some significant way lived a life that was disrupted. We think of our lives in this past year, disrupted by COVID-19. 
And it's been tragic in terms of the loss of life, in terms of the isolation, in terms of the financial impact and the emotional pain. All these things have been caused by one virus. But as we just established, God often uses tragedies to help grow our faith. If we allow them to. Because again, I want to go back to that just for a moment. The thing that has the potential to destroy also has the potential to be forgiven. You see, if it were not for the struggles, we would never truly appreciate the good times. If we were ne- never uh, going through anything, then we wouldn't appreciate God's faithfulness in the storms of life. If we're never in need of saving, we wouldn't appreciate the sacrifice that was given for our sins by our Savior Jesus Christ. You see, when you go through trials and you come out on the other side and you see that God was with you by your side through everything that you faced, you learn to trust Him because you know that He was with you and you sense that He was with you. You learn to trust no matter what you go through that He is by your side. I think one big lesson we've learned is that all the things that we've put in our trust before can go away with a snap of a finger. Just like that. We may put our trust in our finances. For many, that was gone. We may put our trust in our job. For others, that was gone. We may put our trust in our family. Many of us have to separate from our families and be physically and socially distant from our families. We may trust in our health. But that can go quickly as well. We may trust in the stock market. We know that there's always the ups and downs in the stock market. See, this is why, as believers in Christ, that we place our hope in Jesus Christ to get us through the process and to lead us through the process. And in that process, we learn to trust Him. It's an old hymn that we used to sing sometimes Jesus, Jesus. How I trust him, how I proved him all in all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, what? Great. 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 Through every process, through everything that we go through, through every battle, through every struggle, we see at the end of that struggle that he has been faithful. When you see the enemy of our soul whispers things to us that we begin to listen to, things like, no one really cares about you. Here you are, all alone in this room. Or maybe you're surely one day COVID and die. Don't go near anyone. Barricade yourself. Or maybe, maybe others is where we get these whispers say, Where is your God now? Why is he not healing you? Why doesn't he just take COVID away? See, the enemy Satan wants to disrupt your life in a different way. And the enemy seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to rob you of life. He wants to take your life away. But we know what did Jesus come to do? He came to bring life and to bring it more abundantly. 
see, even in the middle of struggle, Jesus is saying to us, I came to bring life, not death. We have to be careful of the whispers that we listen to. See, God is for you, and he wants you to grow in this season. He wants you to return to him if you're not there. He wants you to get back on track. And the enemy, quite frankly, wants you to die. You see, we have this internal struggle. Which voice will we listen to? Will we listen to the voice that continues to speak whispers of death? Or will we listen to the voice that continues to speak life into us? See, here's where the gospel enters in. The gospel is good news because it brings the change that we need. It disrupts us in a good way. It changes our lives and stretches us and makes us more like God every day. That's what we're becoming. But all throughout the ministry of Jesus, we see this pattern where Jesus came and he consistently comforts those who are disturbed and disturbs those who are comfortable. This is what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. This is what the truth of his gospel does. The gospel should continue to challenge us in every way that we live out our faith. I don't care if you're saved for a week, a day, or 25 years, or 50 years, or 75 years. The gospel should continue to be the thing that changes us, and makes us, and shapes us, and molds us, and makes us a little bit better every day. As we continue to prove and allow God to sanctify us, to set us apart, and make us new. See, God's word is living and active. That's what it says. And we believe that. It's not dead and stale. It's living and active. It's a living document that changes us. It informs us on how to live life. It tells us the two most important commandments are to love the Lord our God with all of our hopes, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's both as simple and as hard as that. Because as simple as that sounds, we all know that it can be difficult to do sometimes. You see, when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart and life, you begin a process of spiritual growth. You should continue, you should be continuing to grow in your faith. We never arrive. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you're not there yet. Never arrive. See you next week. And that's why we allow the scriptures to speak to us. We allow the, the scriptures to reflect our lives and to change us. Because the scriptures are changing. Over the past 16 weeks, we've learned about what it means to completely give our lives over to Christ. And we've learned that through the disruptions of life that we've seen. We've learned that God disrupts our lives in a good way. and changes us and puts us on a different path. We've learned that God often disrupts the church in a, in a good way. To shake us from the status quo of just kind of going along and playing church. He disrupts communities as churches begin to reach out and look outside of its walls. It, it just, he disrupts our priorities where our priorities begin to change. And the things that are important to him become important to us. And we care about the things that God cares about. It affects the way that we do evangelism and our testimony because we know that when we share the gospel with somebody else, it can change someone else in the same way that it changed me and changed you. 
It disrupts our compassion because we begin to see people not through our eyes, which often can be judgmental, but through the eyes of Christ. We begin to see people differently with compassion. It disrupts our lack of joy. Why? Because he can give us joy in the midst of whatever we face, no matter what our struggles is are. In the middle of chaos, he is there. It disrupts our generosity because we want to give more as with a thankful heart for all that he's done for us. It disrupts our worship, as we heard about last week, where we express praise because of who God is and what he has done for us. You see, when the gospel disrupts our lives, we care about the things that God cares about. The poor, the struggling, the down and out, people on the fringes, those that are sick, even the racial divide that continues in our nation. I want to end this series this morning with a victory shout. And not just because this series is finally over. After 17, this is week 17. But when we think of being disrupted to victory, we think of all the people that have their lives disrupted all throughout Scripture, that had the potential to destroy them, but yet they found themselves victorious at the end. We think everyone God has ever used in their lives had a sense of disruption. And there may be some of you today that you've been going along with the status quo. You've been kind of going along and getting through life barely. There may be some of you this morning that, that need to say, you know what? I need to give my life to him completely. I need him to disrupt every area of my life that I haven't given over to him. All the areas that I continue to hold on to, I need to allow him to disrupt that and to change me. The very thing that caused disruption for many of those that we just talked about became their source of victory. The very thing that caused the disruption became their source of victory. I am believing this for you and for me today. I'm going to read from the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 13. So I'll be behind me. And you can read it in its entirety. But we're going to read about a battle between the divided kingdom. Two people, Judah and Israel, that were divided against each other, though they were from the same tribes and the same nation. But they had divided Abijah, the king of Judah, and Jeroboam, the king of Israel. I'm going to read first. Uh, 2 Chronicles 13, verses 2 through 3. I'm going to skip to verse 8, verse 10, and then 12 through 13. It says, Then war broke out between Abijah and Jeroboam. Verse 3. Judah, led by King Abijah, fielded 400,000 select warriors, while Jeroboam mustered 800,000 select troops from Israel. Do you really think that you can stand against the kingdom of the Lord? That is led by the descendants of David. You may have a vast army, and you have these gold calves that Jeroboam has made your gods. And verse 10. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not abandoned him. Only the descendants of Aaron served the Lord as priests, and the Levites alone may help them in their work. Verse 12. So you see, God is with us. He is our leader. His priests blow their trumpets and lead us into battle against you. O oh, people of Israel, do not fight against the Lord, the God of your ancestors. 
for you will not succeed. Meanwhile, Jeroboam had secretly sent part of his army around behind the men of Judah to ambush them. When Judah realized that they were being attacked from the front and the rear, they cried out to, to the Lord for help. Then the priests blew the trumpets, and the men of Judah began to shout at the sound of their battle cry, God defeated Jeroboam and all Israel and routed them before Abijah and the army of Judah. I want you to notice several things in this passage that we just read. The first thing I want you to, to notice is that they were outnumbered. It said that the people of Judah were outnumbered two to one. There were 400,000 soldiers for Judah, 800,000, double that amount for Israel. Kind of like our nation's troops, how they were outnumbered in the War of Independence. You have to play along with me here. I want you to say one thing. You're going to say a question after each phrase. You're going to say, What? Did you do that? Let's hear it. Say what? What? Okay. So you have to, this, this is probably a musical, so it's called Hamilton. So you, you've got to say what after I say it's phrase. Ready? All right. Outgunned. Outmanned. Outnumbered. Outplanned. They had to make an all out stand. <laughs> they were outnumbered. They had to take a stand. Two to one. 800,000 soldiers to 400,000. I would think when you looked at that, that would be pretty intimidating. To know that you were had double the troops against you. And that chances of victory were out were, were stacked against you. You see, there's one critical component here in this battle that cannot be overlooked. Who was on their side? Who was on their side? And in sports, it's typically not about how many players you have. It's about who you have in the team that matters. When I played high school football, we were a smaller school, and we played larger schools in our area. They typically had more players to choose from. We had players that were playing on both sides of the ball. I played offense, defense, and special teams that never left the field. And there were times that our smaller school would beat some of the larger schools. Because it's not about how many you have. It's about who you have on a team. Israel had some people on their team. Of course, they had 800,000 on their team. But it also said that they, they had other gods. And they had several gods, not just one. Like Judah had the one God that they served, they had several. So Israel was not only outnumbered by Judah two to one, they also had more gods to help them. They worshiped other gods. They walked away from their ancestors' gods. And Judah, though, says stayed true to one God. To the declaration of the Shema, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. And also notice that the source of Judah's confidence was not in their numbers, because they didn't have that. But the source of their confidence was in God, the one true God. And they were surrounded by the enemy. They were ambushed and being attacked on both sides. They were in the, in the middle part of an Israel and Judah sandwich. And I also mentioned that they were outnumbered. See, they cried out to God for help. 
says that they gave a battle cry. And when they did their part, God gave them the victory. Though they were outnumbered two to one. Yet they had a victory shot. And we have all felt that disruption in our lives in this past year. We have seen many of the gods of this world fall flat on their face. People don't worship statues, but it is so easy to make other things priority and make other things little g gods in our life because those are the things that we serve. Many people make gods out of their self or out of money or jobs or homes or possessions. They have served these gods, and guess what? These gods didn't help them with COVID. And the battle came. It wasn't enough. This morning you may feel surrounded by the enemy. And even now you feel that way. They're all around you, and they want to take you down. You feel as if you have no place to turn and no place to go. do the same thing that the soldier of Judah did. You cry out to the Lord, and then you go to battle. You cry out to the Lord, and then you go to battle. It's here that we find our victory. Even if we're outnumbered and surrounded, we have the victory through Jesus Christ. Oh, break up to another hymn. Victory Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ gave us victory over death and fear. So that we can step forward victoriously even in the midst of battle, even when we're surrounded. As that song sometimes we sing, it may seem as if I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. He surrounds us. We all need to be disrupted with the gospel. Every one of our lives should be shaken up by the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just when we first accepted him but continuing through our lives. Because Jesus came to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. And he has a radical message for his church. It's time to be disrupted. We need to be shaken from the status quo. We need the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in and through us each day of our lives. And I want to say this morning, whether you're watching here in this sanctuary, or whether you're watching online, you may recognize that your life needs to be disrupted. If it hasn't already, you've all been disrupted in some ways. But your life needs to be disrupted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you need it disrupted again. Maybe you need something shaken up in your life so that you can continue to trust Christ fully with your life. And to trust him in a very radical way. Maybe you feel surrounded this morning by shame or guilt. Or maybe, and now sometimes this is the case, you're surrounded by negativity, by people in your lives that only speak negative things consistently over and over again. It begins to take over your life as you listen to those voices. Or maybe you're surrounded by pain, physical pain, even mental pain, or other types of pain that you have struggled with this morning. Maybe you're tired. You're just tired and you feel weak. The gospel of Jesus Christ can be the disruption of something that gives you the energy that you need to move forward, knowing that you're forgiven, that you're under his power, and under his strength, and that he can continue to work 
life. See, Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we can be forgiven. No matter what we've done in our past, no matter how weak we feel right now, no matter how much we feel like we're surrounded, He can give us a new start. And He can make it clean, no matter what your past was. And the thing about Jesus is that He didn't just die. Many people have died throughout history. But what makes Jesus unique among all the other people that died is that He rose and the Bible says that because he rose again, he's called the first fruits of resurrection. Because he rose again, we can be raised in the world. We can be changed. We can be made new. And we don't have to fear death because after this birth, there's something more. There's something greater. There's something beyond. We're just living for today. Because he rose from the dead, we can have new life. And he can take what feels dead in our lives right now and make it come to life. He came to give life. And to give it more money. This morning, if you're listening and you'd like to take that first step, or maybe you need to be reintroduced to the Or maybe this morning you're saying, I need a little shake. I need God to shake up my life in such a way that I trust only Him. That I look to Him in my time of need. That I look to Him in my time of struggle. That I call out. I do the battle cry in the middle of being surrounded. And he hears my cry, and he comes down and helps me. If that's you this morning, I simply want you to say this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. If you want to say it out loud, you can say that. But just don't say it loud. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life today. I know that I need you to disrupt my life. I need your forgiveness. I need a new start. Forgive me, Lord, and make me In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I encourage you, if you've you said that prayer this morning, I want you to take another step. You've taken the first step, and that's an important step. It's huge for the growth and your continued growth in your faith. I also want to encourage you to download a free app called YouVersion. It's a the Bible. There are a lot of different translations, but they have different devotions teach you to learn to grow in your faith. And you can look up one that says it's called New Believers, Seven Steps for New Christians. New Believers, Seven Steps for New Christians. And this gives you kind of the next basis of how you can continue to grow in your faith after making this very important decision. What I want to also encourage you to do is if you're not local, to find a church near you where you can serve and you can continue to grow in your faith. And if you're local, we'd love to see you here. On Sunday morning. I have the congregation standing with me this morning. And typically, I read a particular passage over you. This morning, I simply got to pray with you as a form of blessing, also as a form of God doing the work in every one of our lives. I want people to just do this to receive that. I just feel comfortable doing that and do that. I'm just going to pray over you this morning. Jesus. We give you permission to completely disrupt our lives in alignment with your greater purposes. We pray that you'll give us the courage to be fully available to you. Teach us what we need to know. Tell us where we need to go. And show us who we can join in this journey of living and suffering life. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
God bless you. I want to encourage you to go and disrupt the life. Let's throw a little music on here.